It's the week of May 6th, and this is MASHCAST number 86. Season 4 of the Mash Those Buttons MASHcast. How is everybody doing? It is Season 4, Episode 86 to be exact, and nothing is the same. First of all, Mikey's dead. (laughs) Um. Uh, I was wondering if you were going to go with that. Very nice. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Actually, Mikey is not dead. He's just at the gym. (laughs) <laughs> working on his fitness he, he's, at, he's at the gym upstate is that what it is <laughs> no nah, no nah, he's getting mikey-licious man <laughs> yeah. uh, i really do hope we, we can get theme music for him when he comes back <laughs> <laughs> yeah he had a a, con- a conflict schedule and you know he doesn't get paid to do this and i'm, I'm pretty sure he pays for that trainer <laughs> the gym he pays for it all right <laughs> so the the gym the gym the gym won this one so i'm glad for mikey he's you know he's he's getting all healthy and stuff so always but, good but yeah so mikey is alive but he's working out he, he's at the gym uh being at the gym was something he was not doing before so that's changed nick is now in the great state of georgia yes yes you made it's the move, a, and I'm um, in the dirty south. Is it is it dirty? Um, yeah, but that's because I need to vacuum. Oh, okay, so your house is dirty. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, Nick is down in Georgia, and me. Well, I, I guess I'm. Everything's still the same with me. <laughs> I'm the only constant. <laughs> Whether that's good or bad, I don't know. But anyway. Welcome back. We are glad to be back. And, um, yeah, like, uh, the break definitely took a little longer than we thought. I was thinking three weeks, and it was actually more like five. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we dropped three special editions in the middle of that, uh, which, you know, that was supposed to cover the three weeks, but instead it covered five. uh, With the last one being our special edition on post-game depression. So we hope everybody got a chance to listen to that. And, uh you know, I hope you that. didn't kill yourself afterwards. Yeah, you know. Hopefully, you guys got a chance to listen to the PAX, uh, the PAX East uh, wrap up, and the first quarter wrap up. It's the first time we ever did something um, like that. And when's when was the next one? The next one. The next one's like next one should be early July. Oh, early July. Actually, you're right. Sorry about that. Early July. Yeah. Yeah. Early July. So that should be interesting. So, um, let's get into what we normally do here. Nick, what have you been playing? I've actually played some stuff for once. <laughs> Not That's just surprising Warcraft. because, you know, you had to move several states away. <laughs> and now you get a chance to play a bunch of stuff. Well, they have this store down here that sells video games. It's called, like, GameStop or something. 
Ugh. Which, you know, I go there and I, I bought some stuff, but uh, no. Um, let's see, what have I been playing? I've been playing Puzzle Quest Challenge, uh, which I know that's a few years old. It's a little bejeweled RPG hybrid. I've um, been working my way through that. Uh, I've been playing Labyrinth Legends. Uh, that's a neat little... It's a dungeon crawler. It's kind of a top-down kind of dungeon crawler. It's interesting in that you can see it's clearly inspired by some... It's, it's clearly inspired by a love for older games. Um, there's one boss fight that is... It's Pac-Man, but it's like Pac-Man reskinned. And it's one of those things that you didn't even realize at first that it was Pac-Man until you start playing it. And what happens is you're in this, you're in this dungeon and there's the, the, the dungeon is actually laid out top down with all the paths. So it's, it's kind of built like a Pac-Man stage. Um, but instead of having pellets, you have to chase, you're just, you have to go and fight the boss. You have to run up and, and club the boss if you can. But, uh, the problem is that the boss is running away from you and, or the boss is actually chasing you and he's, he's shooting out poison. So you have to kind of run, like run from him and avoid the poison. But if you can get to the gas mask, then you can chase the boss and the gas mask is effectively the power pellet. So you're running around this little map being chased by the boss until you get the gas mask, at which point you can run. And then, you know, the whole game turns around and you have to chase the boss through the, the Pac-Man maze until the, the gas mask runs out. And then it goes back to the regular game. And I thought it was a really creative way to do a homage without doing a blatant ripoff. Um, and there's, a, there's a few other little puzzles in there as I'm playing through that's, that seem to kind of fit into the same vein. So it's, it's, I mean, it, oh, oh, the gameplay is pretty, pretty average, but overall it's, 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 uh, it's interesting to play through. Um, let's see what else have I been playing? Um, some other, other stuff I can't remember. The only other big game I remember playing is Bioshock Infinite, which I finally beat. And now as a, as a non-shooter fan, what did you think? The story was amazing. <laughs> I'd actually heard some spoilers about the about the ending, but nothing prepared me for what happened. Um, so I thought that was amazing. I thought the world was amazing. Um, the music was amazing. Um, just the, the way that they, they, they covered all these popular songs uh, and integrated into the ni- in, them into the 1912 setting in a way that completely made sense. Um, I think my favorite, my favorite moment from the game, and it's not a major spoiler, is uh, their use of Fortunate Son. Where, where you hear it the first time and Booker's like, like, does anybody even know that song? Nobody knows that song. And then you go and something happens and then you come back and then you put, walk past this girl who's just singing it a cappella. And I thought it was just a nice little environmental touch and also fit with what was going on. Uh, I thought, so I thought that was great. Um, it's definitely a great game. My, I guess my, my, my only, I feel like though it's, it, 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 I guess right now it might be the greatest game of the year. Again, I personally haven't played much, but I feel like it, it, it's like in it's like a ninety eight out of a hundred. Like there's just a little bit of room for 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 something to be better. Um, where I feel like again, as, as a non shooter fan, I felt like all the stuff that made it great was independent of the gameplay, and then that alone, just the fact that I mean, it was like an okay shooter. Um, Like actually, again, because I've also been playing Spec Ops, and so like I was looking for like a cover button. I didn't have that, Um, but I had Vigor, so I guess that made up for it. But yeah, I'm pretty sure being able to toss people into the air or electrocute them. Well, you know, I kind of I kind of skimped on the Vigors a little bit. I mean, I I played with all of them, obviously, but the one I used the most was the possession one, because I just get into a fight and then if if I wait for like the Patriot to show up and I just start possessing that thing until it kills everybody for me. 
That's inefficient because that thing doesn't stay possessed for very long. No, and I, I was burning through fingers, but at least Elizabeth kept throwing me salts, so it worked out. Oh, uh, see, I wish you would have told me that. I would have gave you some tips, like don't, don't, uh, don't, don't use possession. Don't use possession on the Patriots. Like me, what I did was uh, I would use possession on the turrets. Oh yeah, no, I used and I deal with the Patriot myself. Yeah, no, I used it on the turrets too, and I know it was it was a much longer longer on the turrets, but. And once you Come get on, those, those Patriots were badass though. They were cool, but like they were a pain in the ass too. Like if you had to fight a bunch, like I'd, all in the... I'd oftentimes just possess them just so that they wouldn't attack me, so I could shoot them while they were possessed. Oh, and this message like do not shoot your teammates, dude. Like if you like as soon as you get undertow, those Patriots are nothing. See, I didn't use undertow on the Patriots. Yeah, like like first of all, well, first of all, if you use the electricity, uh, it hurts. It, it hurts them, but also undertow, like it basically um. It hurts them consistently. Like, it makes them very weak, I should say. So you can use Undertow and then shoot them a few times, and they'll probably die. Not to mention, like, I, I, I would use, like, Undertow, grab them, and throw them off of something. No, that's clever. Yeah, see? That's, that's what you should have. You should have talked to me. should have asked. It didn't matter. I beat the game. Yeah, but you didn't beat it with style. Well, I don't have time for style. <laughs> this is the first time I think I've beaten a major game without talking about it for, like, ten weeks. Uh yeah, because you you still haven't beaten Spec Ops. No, yeah, no, so I gotta go back and hit that. And like Bioshock is longer than Spec Ops. Is it? Re- oh yeah, because yeah, actually yeah. I think you're right. Although, how many chapters is Spec Ops? Because I got to chapter ten, uh, where I'm going to the aquarium. Uh, you're going to the aquarium. Yeah, isn't, isn't that what it is? It's an aquarium. Yeah, yeah, but there's two parts. Okay, did. You get, are you going to the aquarium with the CIA agent? Yes. Okay, you still have a ways to go. God damn it. I, thought it was, you, I always thought there were 10 chapters. I was like, yes. No, <laughs> no. From that point, I would say you're, once you get through the aquarium, you're, you're a little over halfway. Really? Oh, wow. I thought I was a lot closer then. Huh. No, no, no. Like, yeah, you have a ways to go. Like. Oh. So I'll be talking about that for another five to six weeks. Yeah, yeah, like Bioshock. Yeah, Bioshock is a longer game. Spec Ops is only like a seven-hour game. Bioshock is like a ten to twelve-hour game. Yeah. Well, I had the I had the time. I heard you guys talking about it. I gotta say, I listened to the uh, your, your first quarter review, and I heard you guys talk about it, and none of that made any sense. And then I played the game, and listened to it again, and it all made total sense. Oh, so, with Bioshock. I got, I got yeah, I got spooked at that one part too, where you turn around and the alarm guy is there. Yeah, like that. They did that shit on purpose. Yeah, that was that was cheap. Yeah, that, but like that part, I don't know. I didn't necessarily like that part because it's kind of boring. Because I just walk around them. Like you really didn't have to fight anybody. Mm. But I guess that's just the way. You know, it was, it was, it was just meant to be. So, um, actually, you know what? The one I'll talk about the one vigor that I did not like that I never used was the return to sender. Yeah, I found it totally useless. Yeah, personally, but I know some people who love it. I'm just like, okay, you know, whatever floats your boat. I think it's all about, I mean, at least the one nice thing about that game is that they give you enough different ways to play. It's all about finding your own style and then working within that. Right. I mean, I may have been inefficient with my Possess the Patriots, but I was successful. Right, right. You can you can find success. I know um, I'm going to replay it on the 1999 difficulty mode. I'll probably stream it while I do it, which it's funny. Like, typically when I do that, when I stream games on the hardest difficulty... The beginnings are funny because I'm getting used to the difficulty. 
and then after that I kind of blow through it. Like I did that with Max Payne. Like when I was when I started playing Max Payne on the on hardcore, um, I got stuck in one part for forty minutes, and the people stuck with me on stream. It was pretty awesome. Well, I got through this one part, and then after that I just started blowing through the game because like okay, fine, I got it now. I know how to play this difficulty. Yeah. So yeah, I'm looking forward to doing that when I have the time sometime soon now. But what else? What else have you been playing? Um, The Sims 2. Why? <laughs> because I've been trying to make my new house in The Sims 2. Why not? Like, there is a Sims 3. You know that, right? I know, but I don't have it. And actually, they just announced Sims 4. Yeah, so, and it doesn't require anything, I'll, I'll always online. I don't know. You know what? The, the problem is, is, is that, like... I don't know they're getting into all like oh your sims have wants and needs and you gotta tend to this and they're I kind of like the micromanaging like okay go brush your teeth like I I like that part of it or don't go brush your teeth and, and die of infection or whatever but like you know now it's like oh you don't have to worry about the micromanaging part just make sure they're happy and it's like no that's that's getting a little too far away from that I'm, and uh, the other thing too is I bought like all the expansions for the sims too yeah so it's like that's the thing it's like you look at the sims and it's not just a $50 game it's like it's like a three hundred dollar investment. You know, I can't play The Sims, and the reason I can't play is because I always just end up making my life, <laughs> and I'm like, this is boring. Like, not that my life is boring, but the thing is, I'm already living it. Like, yeah. I don't do anything. Like, basically, like when I was when I was before I started doing Mesh, uh, and when I was like heavy into the gym and playing games, you know, and working, you know, my regular job. That's what I did in The Sims. Like, I'd wake up in the morning go running, go, uh, you know, go to work, come home, go to the gym, come home, play games, go to sleep. Yep. Next day, same thing. But at the very least, you can see, and I mean, you can see the tangible effect from going to the gym, but like you get those little knowledge power-ups and the skill power-ups that you're sim. And then you can see like, oh, I just need two more friends and I get a promotion. And so it's like, you can actually see your little sim advancing at life better than you. Hmm. No, not mine. That's not a that's not a that's not a positive reason to play the game, mind you. Yeah, yeah, like uh yeah, my sim definitely didn't have a better life than I did. My sim actually got no play, got no women. He never well, got them. That that's the sad thing about Obama's America is when 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 your sims don't have a better life than you did. <laughs> yeah, my sims did not have a better life than I did. It was it was quite the lonely existence. Maybe it just served me as served as a warning like, yo, you need to get out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> so this morning he's like you need to make a website <laughs> yeah because yeah, like i already had time for that you know <laughs> so what what else you got um i think that's everything or at least all the major stuff okay so usually i have the long list but i really don't this time because my, the whole post game depression podcast topic came from the fact that i was depressed about bioshock like i can't it's hard for me to play other things now like I after I beat Bioshock, I mean if you listen to the podcast you know this, but after I beat Bioshock, I went to try to play Far Cry three because anybody who knows or who's been listening to podcasts for the last couple months knows I've had a problem with Far Cry three, and I right at the very last podcast or uh, Mashcast number eighty five, I found the solution to 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 play um, Far Cry three without it having uh, trouble. So I went to go play Far Cry three, and I just couldn't do it. I played for like an hour and I was just like this I'm not having the same level of enjoyment. I want more Bioshock Infinite. <laughs> and like I was I got depressed like and like I it's hard for me to play almost any game. I mean, I've been playing StarCraft. 
Um, I'm still, still playing StarCraft, of course. But other than that, like, there haven't been many games. Sometimes I've just been busy. Just just been busy uh, with doing things for the website. Uh, but two games I've played recently. One is Sacred Citadel, and actually I wrote a review for that, which is available on the site right now. It's a... It's like a it's a side scrolling beat 'em up. That's that's what it is. But it's the laziest beat 'em up I've ever played. It, it really is. Like you like it's a beat 'em up for casual people who maybe like to not necessarily mash buttons because you can you you can do combos. And to do damage you need to do the combos. Uh but like the enemies sometimes are so lazy they just they don't even attack. Like, they just kinda look at you. They'll just stand there. So it's the, the AI is not aggressive at all. The only AI that was actually aggressive was the final, final boss. And so, what the, and the thing is, like, there weren't that many, I mean, there were a good amount of enemies on the screen, but, you know, typically with beat-em-ups, like, you're supposed to have a, like a truckload of enemies on the screen, and you're supposed to be going back and forth and punching them in the face and hitting them with your sword and, you know, doing all this shit, and, like, you know, being a complete badass, and you really weren't in this game, because, like, it kind of felt like, you know, you were beating up mentally challenged enemies. And, it, like, and the, 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 what they did to substitute for the difficulty, they started giving enemies ridiculous health. Like, ridiculous amounts of health. I was a warrior, and I could have a group of enemies in a corner for two or three minutes just wailing on them before they died. Two to three minutes. Do you know how long that is in a beat 'em up video game? How many you know? enemies were there per level? Oh, per level, I don't know. But it's, it's, I mean, yeah, because I mean, that's the thing. Like a beat 'em up, you you fight and then you move on to the next, and then you fight and yeah. yeah. If you're fighting a guy for like two to three minutes, like just one group, that yeah, that'll yeah, it was a pain in the ass. Like and like, well, I was playing with uh, Joey Men and. He he was a mage. He could not even the, the enemies at that at, at that stage of the game. He couldn't even damage them. He would do his attacks, and they were not damaging the person. Well, Basically, he had to do an attack or do like a status attack to like freeze or put a set him on fire, and then I would have to do the damage. Yeah, but that that kind of sounds like how it should be. Why would you pick a mage for a beat em up? Yeah, but like you shoot. Like a fucking ice beam at somebody and it does no damage it's a at all. Beat 'em up. The mages don't beat anything up. Dude, it's an ice beam. <laughs> it's an ice beam. It, 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 I don't know. It defies the, the the point of the game. The whole point of the game is you're supposed to go out and beat things up. He is beating up with ice beams. With his mind. Yeah, or with ice or fire or whatever element he chose. So yeah, that's the thing. That's it wasn't a terrible game, but I'm I don't know if I'd pay twenty bucks for it, to be honest with you. Um, and then we also had the DLC, which was basically more of the same, but it was buggy as shit. There were some game-breaking bugs, and me and Joe found ways to work around them, luckily. <laughs> like, it was just hilarious. Like, I could just hear it in his voice, him getting frustrated toward the end. He's like, I really don't want to play this, but like, Jared gave me a free copy of it, so I have to. <laughs> I could just totally hear it in his voice. He was not happy, but yeah, we got through it, and yeah, so I played that, and I wrote a review on it. It was pretty lazy, but... Yeah. Um, other than that, I've been playing Monaco, and it's taken me longer than I wanted to to put the review out. But it's because, I, not that I had a change of heart with the game, but the game has two different feelings depending on if you're playing online and if you're playing by yourself. 
if you are playing by yourself, it is a difficult game. It can be a very difficult game. Okay. Because in order, like, you can you can just go through, like, each thief, because it's four, well, you start off with four thieves. But each thief has a storyline. And you start off with the locksmith story. And in the locksmith story, you could just go, after you complete each level, you can just go to the next level. But in order to get the other storylines, you have to clear out the levels, which means you have to get all of the coins in each level. And to do that, like, and to do that by yourself is extremely difficult. It really is. It's tough. Because, like, Monaco's a stealth game, but it's not like, it's not like a Metal Gear-style stealth game. Or, like, a Splinter Cell where, you know, if you're careful enough, you can find a way to stealth around and not and not kill anyone, you know? It's like, so there's, some, there's just some parts where you have no choice but to bust through the door. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And uh, to bust through the door and just be seen. Like, there are just so many parts where you have no choice but to alert the enemy. Like, it's not a... a that's one of the things I didn't like about it. Like, when I play a stealth game, I want to be able to be completely stealth if I want to. I want to be able to get through each level not being detected, and that is impossible in Monaco. I kind of got the impression that that was the point is that it's supposed to be like a, a team stealth game where like everybody has their own skills that they bring to the table. And so you're all supposed to work together to defeat the level. So and that's why the multiplayer works. And I, I, I want to get into that. Uh, but like the single player, I was having, I, I wasn't having trouble with it because I was getting through it, but it was frustrating to me that, you know, just some parts I, I want, I was trying to be stealthy and it didn't make a difference. One one quick question: In the single player, you just control the one character, or do you have all four? And you're kind you of you have access to all of the characters. Actually, you get additional thieves as you continue. Oh, uh, but you can only control one at a time. Uh. Like you know, one like in each you're right. Each character has its own ability. Like there's one called the lookout, and she can detect uh, enemies that she can't see. So she'll she'll tell you where they are on the map. There's this thing, one called the the pit pocket, and the pit pocket will has a, has a monkey that will steal coins for him. Comes in really handy. Uh, the the locksmith can unlock doors really fast. The cleaner, if he can get behind someone, he can knock him out. Nice. So that's pretty cool. Uh, then you get like there's other stuff. There's one called the mole who can bust through walls. There's one called the gentleman. Who, when when he's uh hidden, he gets into a disguise, so he huh. can walk around kind of freely, and that's kind of cool. Nice. Um, using him, like once I got started using him, it actually became a lot easier to move around in single player, a lot easier to move around single player. But still, like I don't want to be forced into using one character. So, and disguises are kind of cool because um you can pick them up for other people too, but only in certain places. They only wear down when somebody can see you. So that I thought that was cool. But the multiplayer, like once you, the multiplayer is so fun to play with other people. Like maps that were taking me like twenty minutes, twenty five minutes to work through on my own would take like three, four minutes with other people. Okay, and you can set it so that you can see what they see, or you can still only see what you see. You know, huh. and you get through the level so fast. And, you know, you work as a team. Like, this is this one level uh, where you're in a bank. And um, you there's this place called the Money Room. Okay? And I don't know. Unless you, ha- unless you collected pretty much all of the coins, 
and shot no one on the way down because you can get a weapon, but you have limited ammo. Uh, it's impossible to get the, every. It's impossible to get everything in the money room, and or get all the coins because the money room is guarded and it has people in it. And then when you go in there and you shoot somebody, um, you you alert the other guards who then come, and you will run out of ammo typically before all of the guards get there, and so you're fucked. But if you have a partner, then, you know, both of you can run in there, guns blazing, grab the cash, and bounce. You know? Not to mention, like, there's other, like, things like that. Also, in the same level with the bank, there's this room where the actual objective is, and there's these four lasers going around in circles. And if one of them detects you, the arm goes off. Well, one of, if it's at least two of you, one of you can go turn the power off from the building, and the other person can go in there while the guards are distracted. You know, so there's stuff like that. It's just it's just a lot it's just a lot better online. The community is so nice and so cool. You know, I, I have not run into one single asshole or troll yet. And it's very refreshing. It's very nice. So but Monaco is good. I had a good time playing Monaco. Uh the review should be up soon. And I will continue to play Monaco. Until I beat it all the way. All the levels cleared out, and it's just—it's just a fun game. Like doing a heist is great. Just heist—it's a great word to say. <laughs> <laughs> so heist, heist. Yeah, you like that, right, Nick? It, It's—it feels good in your mouth. Yes, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, okay. So now that we we've we've gone through what we've been up to, let's talk about. A few things, some news items. Actually, this first item isn't brand spanking new news, but it's something I, I want to talk about. Cause I thought it was it would be pretty interesting, and the, it's the fact that 2K Games will not have a booth at E3. Okay, 2K Games announced that they will not have a booth at E3, and they're saying it's not because they don't have anything coming out. Uh, they do have a lot of great news happening. And the way they're going to deliver that news is through broadcasts, uh, I think mainly on Twitch. Uh, event broadcasts and like Twitch TV. And probably you know, just the internet in general, their website, press releases, things like that. That is how they're going to deliver that news. And 2K Games, I mean, for those who don't know, which if you don't know, why don't you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, but 2K Games is, it, it's pretty big. I mean, 2K Games is a... Uh, I'm pretty sure they are owned. They're like they they are owned by Take Two, so it's like a publisher inside of a publisher. Like Take Two is a media company. Two K Games is like a, is a subsidiary of Take Two, so that they, you know you have that whole company. Take Two owns Rockstar, so they produce things like so. Take Two pretty much produces like things like GTA and also you know Two K Bioshock Infinite, uh, Spec Ops The Line. Well, Bioshock in general, just they, they produce a lot of very good games. They have the lockdown on NBA games right now because, I mean, like, 2K is what killed NBA Live. Yeah. Twice. <laughs> you know? Um, and we, they were even going to try to rebrand an NBA Live and they couldn't keep up with 2K. And if it wasn't for the Madden license, 2K would have football too. They would. Yep. Yeah, so 2K is a big deal. And they are not going to have... Oh, yeah, sorry. Also things like Borderlands 2, Civilization 5, XCOM Enemy Unknown, 
Like, yeah. 2K is a is a big deal, and they are not going to have a booth but, at E3. And that says you know, a lot. You know, I'm trying to remember their booth at PAX. And I just remember they had, like, some kind of streaming channel and, like, two guys. Or there may have been a guy and a girl. I don't remember. I didn't really look up. Depending on what time of the day you went there, it was different. Their booth at PAX was a total waste of time. Exactly. And I think that may, maybe that sort of set the precedent that they were like, we, we got this booth at PAX and we just kind of, you know, squandered it. And it was a waste of floor space. It was a waste of money for them. And I think maybe they were like, there's no, at this point, there's no value in, in sort of just having the open booth for people to come up. But they, for, for whatever reason, they don't feel, they didn't feel that whatever product they have was ready for sort of the mass consumption. They didn't have the kind of booth where it was like, hey, we're going to have, you know, like 10 stations set up where people can just walk up and, and play the games. Um, instead, they, they, they just want, they, it seemed like, it almost looked like, especially, you know, because I'm, you know, familiar with them from the sports games, their station looked like, like, like a sports booth, like at halftime. Yeah, like they were cutting back to the announcers to talk about, like, what was going on in other action. And, like, I, I think almost from that regard, if it, if they're if they weren't ready at PAX, I mean, you know, ostensibly E3 is a more you know more industry driven, you know, I think they're looking at it more like, you know, because they said they're still going to have meeting rooms, they're still going to have some behind the scenes events, and so I think that they're just looking at almost almost sort of mercenarily. As far as just like, you know, it's, it's a waste of money for us to be on the floor. We're not going to do anything with that. Everything that we would do with that, we can just, they can, they can get, you know, like do a Twitch stream from their hotel room. Just get a curtain behind them that says 2K. They don't need to be on the floor for what they were doing. And yeah, it's probably cheaper for them to just, you know, get a, get, get a few, you know, meeting rooms and, and do all your, your business that way. So I don't. I don't think it's it's I don't think it's quite as as ominous for E3 as it seems. I think it's more so a sign that E3 I think and maybe even conventions in general. I think in E3 really, I mean, you 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 have the Paxes now now three Paxes sort of coming in to sort of steal their thunder from the casual fans perspective. Um, you've even seen the growth of Comic-Con as far as like a place where some studios like to make announcements. What? Um there are some major differences there. Like, well, first of all, e, uh, PAX is a is a consumer facing show. Yes, yes. And E three is a trade show at heart. That's what it is. Like at heart. That, but that's what it is. Like even like even now, like if you're a regular person trying to get into uh, E three, like those tickets cost like but you're not nine hundred bucks. But you, you, even you, even if you're for like PAX point. or something, I mean, th- I mean the conventions only have limited space. I think most people interface with them either by following you know Twitch streams or watching. Well, they used to be watching you know whatever coverage G4 had. Um, so I don't know what TV. I guess Spike might take up the mantle. Spike is probably gonna do it, yeah. But I mean, so I mean, there, there, there's. I mean, from a dis- from a distance as a spectator, if you're not in you know California or Boston or Seattle. All these conventions kind of blend together, um, in that you know you see you know you have the you see the people on the floor, you see the cosplay, you know you see the and you see the, the booths with all the all the assorted you know games to come, and so to, I think to to the layperson, they don't know that there's a difference between E3 and PAX. I mean, fundamentally, the industry knows there's. I mean, the, the industry knows there's a difference between PAX and GDC. I mean, even when we were there, all the people talking about like who was and wasn't going to GDC the following week. 
you know, I, I mean, the, the, you know, that w- that was significant. And this, then the kind of content you see coming out of PAX versus GDC is significant. And E3, I think, is supposed to fall more along the lines of GDC than it is PAX. But it's built up because, again, it, E3 is sort of like e- E3 is the grandfather of all of this. It's it's without, you know, it's it's the first true gaming convention. And so, you know, it, it's 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 only it's only a testament to how how gaming has grown that now we can segment off and say, okay, we have a conference just for developers. We have conventions just for fans. You know, we have an industry. You know, we we can actually look at E3 and kind of pull scale it back and say it is just for the industry. I think this is fundamentally, I think, the direction they were going that they tried that was it like five years ago when they created PAX six years ago. I don't even remember how long it's been now. When they tried to say, "Well, we're we're getting rid of all the consumers and we're just making this an industry event," I think this is the direction that they were go- trying to go for then, but it didn't work because nobody was ready for it. But I think now that you've got all these other outlets, I think now we can kind of watch E3 kind of fall into the background, and it'll be like, "Oh yeah, you know, nothing really big's going to come out of there. It's going to be a lot of background deals and a lot, you know, you'll get your, you know, the the major websites will go, they'll get their coverage, they'll get their reviews and their embargo dates, and then you know everybody will come back and reconvene." But it's not it's not going to be the the showstopper, you know, the Super Bowl of the gaming industry that it was, you know, for all these years. I think that we may actually be seeing that time passing. Right. Well, the thing. Well, first of all, I wanted to address something you said. You said that you know, two K is going to have like the back room. They're actually not. Take two is. I'm sorry. Take two. Take two, and <laughs> they they said that two K is not participating. So that shows me that there's going to be people there talking about, like I said, because take two. Like you really don't hear about take two uh, right. K and Rockstar. I think like I think Take Two of oh, Rockstar is like a direct subsidiary of Take Two, so they'll probably be there talking about GTA Five. Mm. To be honest with you, but like at least the whole point, the whole reason I wanted to bring it up is because it just feels like you know a move like this E three is losing their importance. You know where they don't like because the thing E three is not a convention. It's a it's a it's an it's a conference. The expo is supposed to be for industry insiders to talk amongst each other, make deals, stuff like that, and also for press to come and then spread the word to the people. And basically, with two K not going to E three, it's like we don't need that stage or we don't need that forum to talk to the people. We also we can talk directly to the people now with all the different tech that's out there. We have our own websites. We have our own streams. Even even more than that, look at what Sony did. And I mean, Sony's not. You know, I mean, Sony's in a bit of a different situation than 2K, but I mean, Sony was like, "Hey, we want to announce the PlayStation 4. We're just going to announce the PlayStation 4. We don't need a venue. We don't need, you know, we'll make our own venue, damn it." And so, it's it's it, in a way, it's I mean, it's especially because production now, you know, I mean, if there's one thing that the internet does super efficiently it's communication and you know whereas in the past you might have needed a convention hey let's get the entire industry in one giant you know you know convention floor and everybody can chat amongst themselves for two days and well i mean that kind of face time is still important you know i i think just in general i think over the last i mean e3 was created in what the the, the early 90s i think uh like yeah in the 90s yeah because you know, e3, e3 even fell out of ces right so I mean, to sort of look at that lineage, I think, yeah, I think just in general now, the the, the industry itself is 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 so much more communicative that the nature of a convention like that, where it's like, okay, we have all these things, we're going to save up for this one event in the middle of June, that it, it's it's not, it, yeah, it, it just it just isn't it doesn't make sense anymore. I think there's there's nothing wrong with what 2K is doing. 
Oh yeah, I'm saying there's nothing wrong. I just it's it it neg- I think it negatively impacts E3 or at least the like you know the importance of E3. You know, um, another company that is not well, they're gonna have a presence, but not the same way they normally do is Nintendo. Then Nintendo is not going to have. I guess that's not okay. I'm sorry. That I I, I, should, I said that wrong because the the press conferences before E3 aren't really a part of E3. No, they they aren't, but they they but they they kind of are. Yeah, and yeah. Nintendo doesn't feel the need to have a huge conference, at, like you know, before E3 right now. Well, I mean that that's one of the things that never made sense to me is like, why would you have a huge conference right before E3 when you're then going to have a conference at E3? But it sounds like they're also not going to have the conference at E3 necessarily. Well, no, no, no. people either. don't necessarily have a conference at E3. Like, well, no, but you have the, you do have the presentation though. I mean, yeah. I remember la- last year's E3. There was like the day before E3, like a whole bunch of stuff came out because, like, you know, there was the whole presentation, the pre-E3 presentation, and then there was the E3 presentation, and it seemed kind of the E3 redundant. stuff that happens. The stuff that happens at E3 is pretty much for press. Like, you have the press conference that shows like these things are on our show floor. And the press gets there, and it's like, okay, well, here's, here's what you saw on the stage, and then you have the press demos. Yeah. You know, but Nintendo doesn't feel the need to have this big press conference anymore because of the success of Nintendo Direct, is what they're saying. Yeah. So they'll, they will be at E3, they will have things on the floor, but the fact that they're not making a big spectacle about it now, um, it, it, I think that says something as well, but not nearly the statement that, uh, that 2K is making yeah not nearly the statement that 2k is making no, but um, I, I think well i think nintendo is in a more precarious position i mean especially as a hardware manufacturer i think you you kind of you know you need you know you can't just be like hey we'll let our games speak for themselves especially when your 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 main piece of hardware is struggling I think there it's it's a situation again where they're they're refocusing their efforts because they're you know they they need to refocus their efforts. They're not uh, you know they're they're not sitting in the catbird seat. They they need to be very active on this. That is very true, and that's actually going to take us right into our next topic uh, regarding Nintendo. Uh, it's pretty clear, you know, pretty obvious, and it's kind of it is definitely hurting their sales. This gap that they've had uh, in software. And, uh, and you know what? Actually, I want to bring up something else real quick. Something that I thought that was very funny. Uh-oh. Um, Nintendo did their financials. Uh, they had a... Uh, their profit was slashed by 50%, but they still made a profit. Just not as much as they thought they were. Okay? And it was reported in two very different ways. I thought it was hilarious. Some sites were saying, you know, Nintendo makes profit last year. You know? And then other sites were focused on the fact that Nintendo only, you know, profits down by 50%. And it, I was just like, really? Like, you, like, some outlets really wanted to make it sound bad, while some outlets wanted to make it sound good. You know? Why couldn't you just go in the neutral and say, you know, Nintendo made profit, but it was down by 50%. You know? That's too many characters. <laughs> you know, but even no, I'm just talking about like not necessarily in the in the titles. I'm talking about in the actual stories themselves, because the ones where it's like Nintendo da- profits down, uh, had a very like damning tone. Like you know, this is just another example of the Wii U faltering and blah blah blah. But dude, like they came off of a big loss in 2011, a huge loss in 2011. 
And in 2012, now they're back to making profit and just not as much as they were before. So I just, I just thought that was interesting. You know, that, you know, these news outlets are supposed to be, you know, um, you know, they're supposed to be neutral, but they're not. They're not. It's like Fox News and CNN. You're entirely right. But I think part, part of the problem here, too, though, is especially with the Wii U, I think a lot of people have either been saying, like, you know, are they calling for its success or its failure from, from pretty early on? And, like, even with the Wii, I think a lot of people originally were, you know, there was some skepticism about that. It turned out to be a resounding success. So there was really no way you could spin it negatively but in this case now i think it's it's one of those questions like you know well, what what did we say the wii u was going to do when it was announced how have we been covering nintendo all along and let's make sure that whatever news continues to come out you know continues to tell that same narrative so it, it's then and, and that's fundamentally the problem is, is is nintendo normally nintendo's very dominant and they're not i mean they're making a profit that's good but they're not you know they're they're, they're not you know the, the the Wii U is the Wii U is struggling, and it's re- they literally in this case they're at the mercy of the the game's news to kind of you know t- t- tell the narrative for them. They don't have they don't have the strength to be like you know the Wii U is doing well and this is how it's going. It's it's kind of at the at the mercy of whoever whoever the editor is. Yeah, that's true. Because like when you know you hear oh Wii U doing terribly, no software for it. You know who's gonna go buy a Wii U because of that? You know. No. Day, but like back, back. You know, but I, I don't know who. I don't know how many pe- people don't buy a console because the Nintendo's struggling. I, I think fundamentally it all comes down to what games are available for the system. That is true. If, that if there's is a bunch true. of good games for the system, people are gonna be like, "Oh shit, I have to own that." And if there's not, then people are gonna be like, "Eh, I can pass." All right. Well, that's true. But I'm just saying, like, you're less likely to even look into it to see if there's any games that you want. You know, if if they're saying like you know it's struggling because that can mean like you know that you can have a Dreamcast situation on your hands. Like yeah. how do how do the people feel <laughs> that bought a Dreamcast a month, you know, or two months before they announced they were discontinuing it? Well, they but they were lucky because that was like when internet piracy was in its prime, so they could go and just get yes, all the games they want. Was. A month. I partook in that. <laughs> I am part of the problem when it came to Dreamcast, and I feel terrible about so you, that. So you were part of the problem on the Dreamcast because you pirated it. Do you own a Wii U? I do not own a Wii. So U. you're part of the problem now because you're not buying a Wii U. Well, no, the thing is, I plan on buying. I plan on buying a Wii U. I do. It's right. just the games that I want. And I'm sure you were going to buy all those games that you pirated, also. Sure. No, I wasn't going to buy those. I'm just <laughs> saying, like, I am going to buy a Wii U when like certain games come out. Like they're like you know when like um you know like maybe a new Zelda game or the, the Mario 3D game because you know, the thing is like you know those games are going to be good. Yes. Those games are going to be good. Yes. And that's the thing. Like, you know they're going to be good. So I'm like, yeah, fine. When Mario drops, I'm on it. You know? And and, and on top of that, you, now you know it's going to be something new. They're not going to do a new Mario Galaxy because that was the Wii. They're going to do something totally new because that's what they fucking do. And that's why Nintendo is like an awesome game company. You know? And that is what we were originally supposed to be talking about on this topic in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> With what Awana was saying. Basically, you know, they had their financial call, and then I guess the investors had some additional concerns, so there was another call after that, you know, I guess short, you know, a, a week or a couple of days, I don't know the exact time frame after that, but it was short, and uh, Iwata was, you know, calming uh, the investors, like he was answering their, you know, their questions on the slow performance of the Wii U, and he says that, you know, the the sales momentum of the Wii U has been definitely affected by the consistency 
of software. And they made an active choice to not rush the software because they wanted to make sure the quality was there. He says, because people, because, you know, the games are costing 50, 60 bucks, people, you have to make people feel like it is worth them buying the game. And that's what their goal is. And I don't care who you are. You cannot tell me that Nintendo does not bring quality games. When they release a game, it's quality. You know, like, I, I haven't heard a single bad thing about Fire Emblem. I haven't heard a single bad thing about Luigi's Mansion. Well, Luigi's Man- you know, Dark Moon, the ones for the 3DS. You know? Or even, like, the 3DS. The 3DS itself was in trouble. Yes, the price dropped helped, but also the games they released around that time. Because the price dropped helped. But the, uh, even, like, when, during the time of the price drop, the game, they, they didn't have that many good games out for it. But then they, you know, released, like, you know, uh, I remember specifically, like, what, what, what was the Mario called? It was Mario something. But it had elements of Mario 3 in it. I forget what the actual Mario was oh, called. Oh, yeah, but. yeah, yeah. I know which one you're talking about. Okay, yeah. It, was, it wasn't, like, Super... It was, like, Super Mario... Was, it, was, it was a new Super Mario Brothers 2? No, that's, like, a Wii title. Or Wii U title. Is it a Wii title? Yeah. But, yeah, like, so they started releasing, like, you know, really good games. And, you know, people bought it. And that's what kind of needs to happen with the Wii U as well, when they start releasing their first-party titles, which are known for their quality, sales will pick up. I mean, you know all they have to do is drop a Mario, a 3D Mario? That, like, that is just consistency for decades at this point. Decades. You know? It's... Uh, you know what? I blame this on the third-party publishers. <laughs> okay? Because this is, this is how things happen, and I, I mean, we've been... Actually, we've been doing the mash cast for long enough where we can say because historically, you know, we've covered things historically, and now it's coming to bite Nintendo back in the ass. You know, back when the Wii U was a little bit past its prime, and it needed more third-party support, developers weren't well, publishers specifically were not giving it because uh, their problem was releasing their games around the Nintendo first-party games. The Nintendo first-party releases were siphoning the sales from their from their games. At least that's how they felt. So Nintendo said they would start releasing their first-party games around the schedule for the third-party publishers so that their sales wouldn't clash when the games were released. And now that came that's coming to that bite Nintendo in the ass because there was supposed to be a major game out, you know, right now. Well, Rayman Legends was supposed to be a major game that was supposed to come out in, like, what, February? Or was it March? Like that, yeah, yeah, it was, well, yeah, like, it, was, uh, it was, I think it would have even been... Yeah, I think it was February. I'm trying to think when we we talked about it in January. I think it was a, that was a major game that was supposed to come out, and then Ubisoft just up, oh, nope, nope, not releasing it, and now it's going to be it's no longer a Wii U exclusive. That's that, that was, was just a it's a dick move. That was a huge dick move. <laughs> and uh, the thing, you know, the, these thir- uh, third party publishers, you know, like well, nobody's really missing Aliens Colonial Marines. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you might be the only one, actually. <laughs> I, no, I'm not missing it. People misconstrue my judgment for me liking you, the game. You, you love that game. You said it was your favorite game of the year. Dick, you are a terrible liar. <laughs> Pants on fire. But anyway, you know, like, the third-party games aren't really coming to the Wii U. Games that were supposed to come out and now have either been pushed back or canceled. And Nintendo was just left with these, you know, this gap because they expected to have more time to develop their first-party games. You know, I wonder... If they wouldn't have even held back on the Wii U launch, because I mean they're struggling with Pikmin. Pikmin Three is still not out, and that was one of the, the launch titles they promised. Um, 
I mean, really, the only third uh, Zombie U is really the only third party title of any quality that I think has, has come out for that in, uh, since launch. And I, 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 I almost wonder, like, knowing that they have so many, you know, they got all these guns in the chamber, except the, the gun's not loaded yet, or bullets in the chamber, but the gun's not loaded yet, that it, it almost maybe it would have behooved them to kind of wait a year and then they could have had their own, you know, because what is it? Weren't they promising like 50 games within that launch window or 40 or 50 games? It was, it was a good amount. And it, was, it was a fairly generous launch window too because I think it went through like April of this year. Yeah. But I feel like, you know, like a, a lot of those games didn't materialize or didn't weren't, weren't of the quality that they expected. And it almost seems like they should have held back a year and then they would have definitely had, they would have definitely had at least a good 10 games from their own library that they could have said, boom, this is all, you know, you know, going to be available at launch. And, you know, then there's, then they don't have to worry about that. It's, it's, you know, yeah. Yeah. You're, I mean, you're entirely right. The third party publisher, well, it, it's, it's really Ubisoft as representative of the third party publishers, but yeah, they screwed Nintendo. Yeah. They screwed them big time. And if Nintendo didn't have that mindset where, they were really looking out for the third-party publishers. The the launch would have went much better. They would have had you know first-party titles or like you know titles to pull people in. They would have had those available closer to launch. You know, not saying they was going to release like one every month, but at least one every other month yeah. to start. You know, who if they would have went with their their like the same model, they went with the Wii U. They could have had. They might have had a Smash Brothers. They might have had a Mario, New Zelda. They would have had something, and they need to go back to that mindset. They really do. Like, look, the third-party publishers aren't helping us out. We're going for our major stuff. They need to start pushing their first-party stuff primarily for major releases. But then they, they, then they also need to cater to the digital download for indie developers. And if they did that, that combination of Nintendo first-party, because Nintendo first party sells consoles. How many games now will actually sell a console? Do you think Halo sells sells Xboxes? No. Exactly. Like Halo doesn't sell Xboxes. What do you know? Uh, I'm trying to think. Is there a PS3 game that will sell a PS3? No. You have. It's the collection of the games that sell the PS3. The collection of the games and the feature. Features that people will sell a PS2. Like people buy an Xbox because they want to play Halo and they want to play online. You know, whereas with a Mario game, if Nintendo dropped a Mario game June in June, I'm buying a Wii U. Probably just buying that one Mario game. That is that is a game that moves hardware, and well, nobody else really has that. But they've got, I mean, they've got a few franchises that they have yet to hit on. I mean, there's, I mean, fundamentally, they're all Mario to a degree. Um, but I mean, you've got the Mario games, you got your Mario Kart, you got your Smash Brothers, you have your Zelda, you have your your Metroid. I mean, they they've they've got, they have the franchises. It's not an issue. It's not an issue of if. It's an issue of when. And I mean, by the end by the end of the life cycle of the Wii U, it'll have a ton of great games for it. The problem is it's just it's not worth buying right now because there's nothing there yet. Wait till they release the games. Maybe there'll even be a drop in console price before then. And, you know, you might get a better better value for the same thing. And that's because they got dicked by the third-party publishers. You know, one other thing, though. As much as we're jumping on Ubisoft saying they dicked them over, and they did, not to, dispe- not to diminish that. But they were looking at what were two of their big third-party titles that they were super excited about. Arkham Asylum and... Ma- um, um, Mass Effect 3. Yeah. 
And so even then for them to be like, oh, well, the third party titles really weren't there. It's like you couldn't count those as third party titles. That is true. Like, I think a lot of the people that, bought, that, that wanted to play those games already got them on other systems. I can't imagine anybody was like, "Oh, I've you know, I've played my first two Mass Effects on you know the PC or the PlayStation. Let me get Mass Effect Three for the Wii U now because that's going to be exciting. It's you know, right. especially a game like this, a series like that, you're tied to whatever system you started playing it on. And so, I, I just don't, I don't know. I, I think as much as they were touting up the third party titles, I think as out of outside of Zombie U and Rayman Legends. There really, there really wasn't much there. They didn't even. I think they were kind of overestimating the support they would get. Right, and they need to just go back into the fuck that third party shit and bring yeah. out. They bring it, roll out the you know roll out the first party stuff. And the thing is, like with Nintendo, they can't just flip it and let it happen. Unfortunately, they actually need to. They they still need time for those games to cook. They can't. Um, unfortunately for them, because their model is about quality, they cannot rush. The game's development. Yeah, yeah, they, they're really a, they're really to catch twenty two because if they 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 very well could rush out Pikmin or something, and then they get screwed because they're releasing something that's subpar. And so, yeah, they're they're it's the it's the proverbial being caught with your pants down. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately for them, all they have is quality right now. Yeah, you know, all they have <laughs> is quality. The Nintendo <laughs> seal of approval. Yeah, pretty much. That's all they have. That's all they got, and they need to. Uh... They just need to hold on to that. But now that that, that conversation made me sad. <laughs> uh, go play something else other than Bioshock. Oh, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now I'm like, oh, Nick, you're such a mean person. Uh, I'm not above kicking you while you're down. Well, here's something. Let's talk about something that'll make me angry. <laughs> <laughs> for a different emotion. <laughs> yeah, for a let's switch to a different emotion. Let's talk about EA obtaining the licensing for Star Wars. Now, why does this make you angry? Why does it make me angry? Whenever EA obtains exclusive licensing, they fuck the games up. Like, and it, when as soon as I heard that, I just thought Madden, Madden. <laughs> like it's because they have no, there is no competition, there is no pressure, there's no nothing. You're not, you're not wrong, but. Are you saying that every Star Wars game that has already been released has been great? Not great. But still, like, I don't know, like, uh, EA, I just don't feel, right now, I do not feel comfortable with EA. I used to be an EA advocate, you know, back in, like, you know, not even that far back. When it felt like they were, uh, when the world was turning on EA, kind of like it is right now. Okay, when the world was turning on EA and EA was having a bad time and they were getting a very bad rap, they started turning to quality. Okay, that's how you, that's how you know we got Mass Effect, the first Dead Space, Mirror's Edge, uh, you know, uh, a, a ton of great games. And then once they kind of you know claw, not clawed their way back up to the top, but you know. Once they started having consumer confidence again, and then, you know, people were like, oh, yeah, EA makes good games, then they started to fuck it up. That's why you have Dead Space 3 with microtransactions. That's why you have, uh, you know, well, no new Mirror's Edge. That's why you have people playing Battlefield 3 that are complaining, saying it's too Call of Duty-ish now. You know, that's why the second Medal of Honor sucked balls. You know, like, this is, like, EA is putting their their hand in places they shouldn't. 
they're messing up the creative process and they're saying well they're they're putting their own two cents two cents and saying the game needs to have this so we can make more money off of it made to make a long story short there have been several reports from developers from visceral saying that the giving the game was one way they were they you know they were they were happy with the way the game was and they had to make changes to it to fit EA's microtransaction bullshit that they put into that game. Okay. That's all true. Okay. So what are you going to tell me now, but Nick? Here's why I'm hopeful. Okay. Well, one, because EA is screwed right now. <laughs> okay. They just had to lay off a thousand people. They're they know that they know that they're not doing well. They know they're in trouble. I think this was actually a desperation move on their part. I don't think they they make a run at this unless they knew like we need we need something here because if you look at it, they know they've had these franchises. They have franchises like Dead Space that they know are quality games that people that the people who play them love them. They they were banking on Dead Space to become a mass franchise that extended out just become beyond the horror genre. And you know they they completely botched that, but the problem the problem is that they took something that didn't really fit into that idea of hey let's release a different you know let's take this franchise and make a whole you know pantheon of games across various genres and so fundamentally what they did is they went out and they got a franchise that they could do that with and so now it's like they're almost in a way starting from scratch insofar as it's not like oh there's it's not like there's a Star Wars one that they have to sort of follow you know kind of faithfully from and then mutilate they can start their whole star wars games however they want and if they want to build them from the the get-go with microtransactions so it doesn't break any you know fourth wall or anything like that they can go ahead and do that but i think the thing is they know that this is they know that this is a desperation play for themselves they're not gonna you know they don't want to botch this up and so if they look at the developers and they say hey you're making a great game and it's got the star wars license and we know that the star wars license is bankable then i think they 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 might pull back and say hey you know what we're not going to press you so hard on the microtransactions they needed the microtransactions in dead space because they knew that 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 franchise to them they, you know, they, they that was questionable. Them, they don't know how much money that that's going to make because it's it's outside of the gaming community. You know how widely known is Dead Space. You know, you had the commercials for Dead Space Three with the uh, the Phil Collins song, and and you know how many sales did that actually generate? But for Star Wars, you don't need you don't need the license of Phil Collins song. You just put some gameplay up with some people running around with lightsabers, and right then you get fanboys drooling. Yeah, but Star Wars, you don't sell Star Wars games just to people who like Star Wars. Just because somebody likes Star Wars... There's a lot of people that like Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There are so many people that like Star Wars. There are huge Star Wars fanboys. People, adults that have Chewbacca bedsheets. That doesn't mean they're going to buy the game. I told you not to talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm saying it doesn't mean they're going to buy the games. But as long as the game, as long as the games look even remotely promising, and really it just has to be better than that Connect Star Wars that came out what was it two years ago <laughs> with the terrible, terrible dance studio. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's kind of the bar. As long as they're at least remotely decent, and, and especially look that's at the studios the that they're giving the games that's to, they're giving them to the dice. The, that they're, is not the bar. Huh? If that's the bar, <laughs> then we are in trouble. We are, okay, like, fine. The bar is a little bit higher than that, but no. But look at the—I mean, it's, it's not like Visceral and Dice and Bioware have been known for putting out crap. I mean, if they struggled with EA's, you know, marketing department, yes. But nah, you know, these are these are quality department. studios, and I—I I think I mean to sit there. It's not—it's not comparable to Madden. 
in the sense that Madden is literally the same thing every year. And fundamentally, if I think if anybody logical was, you know, like, hey, you know, at some point you realize we don't need to put out a football game every year. I think I think it was it's Penny Arcade who's even, you know, t- talking about like the Tiger Woods license. Terminal golf. Terminal golf, exactly. It's basically a golf MMO. Where it's you're just you're just slightly iterating the game every year, and you have to keep remaking the same character and just just make it, you know, just just make it a full on you know cycling system where you're not every year you're not reinventing the wheel. But you know, and so, oh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, so I, I think you know I, I think that's kind of the thing is is that that the, the, the Madden because I think Madden's annual nature is unique. I mean, even then, like at least with Star Wars, it's not like it's not like, Star Wars is not like any other license because you're not putting out, you know. I mean, yeah, we've had games with sequels. We have what Jedi Academy, Jedi Academy Two, you know, Dark Forces, um, you know, Jedi Power the, Battles. They need to, power, they yeah, need the, to make an HD remix of that. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty they could do going back. I, don't, I mean, I'm, I don't know how much they're able to go back into the, the catalog. And, I mean, we have seen, you know, we had KOTOR and then KOTOR 2. Um, you know, we've had, you know, Battlefront uh, up through. I guess Battlefront 3 was the one that was canceled. But, so, I mean, it's not uncommon for there to be Star Wars. It's not uncommon for there to be Star Wars sequels. But generally, that universe is so expansive, you can put out a new game every year from that franchise. You're probably putting out multiple games every year from that franchise. And they're not necessarily sort of like just rehashing what came before. They could very easily do like, you know, you know, they could do the, their, you know, revive the Battlefront series and make it more Call of Duty like so everybody can get pissed off. And they can very easily do that like every two or three years instead of every year. And I think I, th- I think the license is wide enough, and I think they know they know that the fact that they went for this, they know they're in a they're, they're not in a, a position of power. That I don't think they're going to fuck it up. I think, like you were saying, like EA's kind of been this way before, and then everybody loved them again, and then they hated them again. You know, like sort of a binge purge kind of mentality. I think they're they're done with the binging, and now it's time for the purging. I don't think so. <laughs> I think you're way too optimistic. EA, just the way they've they've run the company and the things that they've said. Uh, you know, and especially in terms of microtransactions, basically when it comes to EA, things have to get really, really bad before they turn around. When a game sells well, okay, even if people, even if people, okay, for example, okay, they they know they fucked up with The Sims, not The Sims, but SimCity, but they don't think they fucked up as bad as they really did. <laughs> okay, and also like if a game sells well, they're like, oh yeah, people love it. People love this game because of the way we built it. You know, so people buy Dead Space Three, and people that have played Dead Space Three says eh, it was okay. Other people don't like it because it's not scary anymore; it's more of an action game. But the is like, oh, it was a great success because you know, and we can continue down this path now because of great success. Sales doesn't do, do it, it's like music. Like, just because your album sells a whole lot doesn't mean that you actually make good music. No, because you I'll, can't I'll, return music, you can't return video games. I'll entirely give you that point. I'll entirely give you that point. But well, one, as far as the Sim City analysis goes, uh, some of that may just be marketing, you know, lingo. I don't think they're going to openly admit, like, oh no, it was terrible, and we completely, you know, botched that horribly. Um, but even then, I, I think part of the problem fundamentally is that EA's not wrong. If a game sells a, to a certain degree, they have every right to say, "Hey, people love the game." Because if we if we really didn't like the game, then we wouldn't buy it. And I think you know, and we've talked about this before. How like, do you know if you like a game if you don't buy it? But even then, okay, if you're getting all pissed off about it, you know, like 
Dead Space 3 having microtransactions, then you know, then everybody who didn't like that should just have not bought the game. And I know that's a different story. Like you can, it's 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 a bit binary. I know it's a bit binary, and it's a bit sort of you know tough love in a way. But the problem is, we get all excited about a game, and then we get one or two features that are completely terrible and screw everybody over. But because we're into the franchise and we're committed, you know, we have to get that. And it's, it's it's I think it's it's fundamentally more a problem on 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 the consumer end than it is EA. With with or without the microtransactions, fans of the series, like deep fans of the series, were gonna buy it because they were just gonna give it a chance. The first two games were good, and so I'm gonna. Is for example, it's like what happened with me in Need for Speed. Yeah. Okay. Um, Need for Speed was one. It was phenomenal. Okay. I liked Need for Speed up until that's up until uh, up until well not up until but I liked the Need for Speed series. I was a fan. But what Need for Speed most wanted, I'm talking about the one that came out in 2005. That game was fucking fantastic. Okay. And because that game was so fantastic, it locked me so hard into the series. I bought the next three games that were fucking terrible, and then I finally quit. Maggie Q, Never Speed Undercover, <laughs> done. I was done. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm this is, I, I feel like a battered woman in this relationship. This is no. You keep beating me up. No, I'm sorry. But, <laughs> like you, I can't come back to you anymore. But, but the, and that's the problem is that until you leave, they have no reason to stop beating you up. Right, exactly. And the thing is, I think we're j- right now we are getting to a point where EA, like their consumer confidence, is eroding so much that over the next year or two, they're really going to see the effects. But right now, they are not. And right now is when they're going to start doing all the stuff with Star Wars. Just think about just be think about Dead Space Two for a minute because that game was so successful, it was critically acclaimed, it worked out really well. Don't you remember what we were talking about on the podcast, what they wanted to do with that series? Oh, yeah. Let's yeah, have that's... a Dead Space Uncharted-style yes. game. Let's have a Dead Space space shooter, which I have to admit would work in Star Wars. All the <laughs> ideas they had for Dead Space would actually work yes. in Star Wars. Yes, that's but... why I'm actually excited that Visceral <laughs> would be getting the license. Because, but, I mean, they can fundamentally take a lot of these ideas that they've had that they probably won't get to produce and, you know, with some slight modification, produce them. And it's, I think, and more so I think what it is, is I'm, I'm trusting, I'm trusting the developers that EA is giving these projects to more so than I'm trusting EA. But, but I think, that's the thing, I, like, I don't know, this feels, this feels to me like a Hail Mary move to me. Like, a, you don't. You don't even think about getting a license as vast as Star Wars, and maybe they, maybe they got lucky just because it only became available because Disney, you know, Disney having acquired Star Wars is like we don't feel like dealing with this. You know, we're going to close Lucas Arts and we'll just pass it out to somebody. I mean, so maybe they got lucky in that regard that this is really just Disney passing the buck. But to me, this feels like okay, you know, what? we're struggling. We're going to get a big name license like Star Wars. That is it, it, this the, the scope. It's not it's not even like Tomb Raider or Assassin's Creed, like any of those games where it's just you know those, those games are fairly well defined and they are what they are i mean this is this is kind of what they've been looking for and i think i don't know I, I'm, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt on this i'm sure i'll eat those words within a year's time i think <laughs> you are because to to give them the benefit of the doubt yeah I, you know i can i can see i can say okay fine let's say it is a hail mary like let's say they think they they, they really need this to, to get things going for them that's great but it doesn't mean they're going to do the right thing EA right now, especially, is is really known for getting in the mix with the developers. Like that's what happened with Dead Space Three. EA they wanted to to make it more they wanted to make the series more accessible, which is why it's an action game now and not a, a survival horror game. 
you know, because I, 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 I played that. I didn't buy Dead Space Three. I played a portion of it, and the amount of ammo I was able to secure without doing like, because at least in Dead Space Two, you had to stomp on everything to have a decent amount of ammo. You know what I'm saying? And in Dead Space Three, like you really didn't. Like you just got ammo so much it was ridiculous. But like the thing about it, like you know, they they are very they're known right now for meddling in the the development where they really shouldn't. Like the suits are coming in and trying to put their chocolate in the peanut butter. Well, do you, know? do you think? I guess two questions. One, do you think that that's something that might change now that Richitello's out? No, I think it's gonna get worse. I think it's gonna get worse. Okay. I think it's gonna get worse. It says something when your CEO deploys his golden parachute, and then like a couple weeks after that, you lay off. A thousand people. That says that the parachute was way too expensive. That's that's a whole separate issue to get into. But yeah, that's the thing. Like I, I think like you know you're optimistic about it, but what I think is going to happen is that instead of EA saying okay we got this license, let's make some great games, they're going to say we got this license, let's try to make the games as accessible as possible so that people will want to buy them. Well, here's here's the, the other question that I have. Is that is it possible? Because I think one of the questions that was asked of Visceral, or at least regarding Visceral, um, is that okay, they're going to be working on the Star Wars games, but so does that mean that's going to preclude them from working on a Dead Space game? And their response was, "There's multiple teams at Visceral, so is it possible they're going to be like, okay, we want from Visceral, we want our action shooter game. Here you have Dead Space, you have Star Wars. One of them can be an action shooter game, and the other can be whatever you want. We won't bother you too much. Do you think it's possible that maybe they'll be like, okay, here we'll give you your Star Wars shooter that's going to be all actiony, and, and everybody's going to love it, and then we're going to go back to making Dead Space what we want Visceral, Dead Space to be? I don't think Visceral has the pull to to do something like that. Anything that Visceral does with the Star Wars license or Dead Space license, because now both of those are high profile, EA will be involved. But, okay, I think the- I think Dice may have a better chance possibly but i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily count on that either are we is dead space 3 a hit or not no. i feel like there's a uh, bit of this. well i think i think it's sold well however i don't like in terms of uh, it being critically acclaimed it really wasn't it's kind of like oh it's it's dead space 3 no i'm talking just just financially because i remember hearing like after dead space 3 sales dead space 4 might not happen so I, I'm kind of approaching this all from the, the, the standpoint that like Dead Space is, is a doomed franchise, that, that we may not get another one. And so anything that kind of you know might give Visceral any kind of leverage, which is to say, hey, you want us to do a Star Wars game? We're making Dead Space 4. Anything like that might be beneficial. I don't think so. It doesn't work but, like that. EA owns Visceral. So it's kind of like if somebody, if, if one of the, like, if, I guess, you know, one of the head guys at Visceral say, hey, if you want us to do this, let us do that. They'd be like, you're fired. <laughs> like how about you do that you know we got one more developer heading to indian mobile games yeah pretty much like that's the thing. there's some studios i think like you know that still have all of their pull like bioware i don't think ea had anything to do with what happened in mass effect 3 to be honest with you i think that's what bioware wanted to do but that's bioware i mean they're they're pretty big. I don't even know if Dice has the pull of Bioware inside of EA. Well, even then, Bioware's lost their two heads. That's true. Very, so, very true. Well, I mean, who knows? I mean, and, and, you know, you know, it's funny too because the one game that you can look at is be like, well, what would a Star Wars game look at under EA's regime? You've got the tour going, 
and that's not doing so good. That's not compared. <laughs> no, 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 that, you know that, what? That's a lot too. Is is that uh, uh, that game shouldn't have been an MMO? But you know what? The thing about that is that they compare that to like wow, like that is really really difficult to do. That well, is really that, difficult to do. Well, even then, WoW's you know losing subscribers too, and not to not to proclaim death upon the almighty Warcraft, but WoW I think, still has eight point three million active subscribers. Yes, yeah, but it had it had what nine point six before it today. It did, but like that's still oh, ridiculous. I mean, no, it, like, we talked we talked about that before. How yeah. that just warps. The yeah. bar. No, they, they they lost. Was it what? I think Star Wars only has about a million subscribers. So they yeah. basically lost the entire subscriber base to the old Republic. <laughs> okay, you know what I say to that? I don't even think. Let me see if I can find it. I don't even think uh, Eve Online has a million subscribers. No, but but the thing is, but the thing about Eve Online is like CCP knows exactly what it is, and so you know they're they're not trying to be the next WoW. The old, you know, the old Republic that was intended to be a, you know, a WoW killer, basically. Okay, yeah, here, that, here we that go. Was, I just yeah, found Sam, it. like, hey, we see Activision at their monthly, you know, review or you know, their their quarterly, re, you know, re, uh, revenue reviews, talking about how much money, you know, Warcraft is just bringing in in subscription fees, and we want that, you know, we want that piece of the pie too. I found it. It's in February of 2013. It hit over 500,000 subscribers. So wow. you mean to tell me that you need like an MMO needs to have millions upon millions of subscribers <laughs> just to, just to <laughs> just to survive or you know it doesn't like that's what I'm saying WoW is like but the, it, it's so far out the box you can't even count against it you need to look at the other MMOs that are going on right now and see you know kind of see what they have but actually I would I would argue you're not, looking at the MMOs is the completely wrong place because WoW's numbers are I don't want to say inflated. But the way they measure the subscriptions in Asia are different than how they measure them here because they don't have the same monthly subscriptions. Uh-huh. So it's – I don't want to say it's an estimation, but it's not quite, it's not quite the same as saying like it's exactly 8.3 or 8.6 million. Um, but I saw, a, I saw a, a chart. I think it was as of February um, that WoW is actually like the third – in North America, WoW is third in terms of I guess online playing time. Um, behind League of Legends, and which is that was behind Dota Two. Yeah, that's that actually that and study that, so, was. Uh, so really, the space that you want to be in is not so much the MMO space because even then, looking at wow, like that's that's the that that market is matured and is declining. I think the space that you really want to look at, probably even beyond because the, the the place to be right now is the MOBAs. I mean, that's where that's where all the kids are. Well, I guess if you're, hey, fuck, they're gonna make a Star Wars mobile, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, Nick just, Nick just predicted the future. But that would be pretty cool. I mean, who's, who's gonna, if who's you gonna, like, if you like mobas, dude, they could, they could, they could, they could make, they could make the, the, the Star Wars guillotine simulator, simulator for the Oculus Rift. <laughs> of that shit. Uh, dude, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I can't be, you know, as optimistic as this uh, about this like you are. I, I really, I really do not see this turn out that great. I don't think EA has hit that terminal. Oh shit, we need to be, we need to be better people. You know, we need to care about gamers because right now they don't. They well, see gamers as faceless masses and dollar signs. Well, yeah, but 
I mean, they're always going to see them that way. Well, here's here, here's here's the follow up theory then, or the corollary, or, or the I don't know the addendum. Um, I think if EA hasn't hit that point, they're not going to hit that point. And if they hit all, it before. I th- no, but here's no, but if they, if they just laid off a thousand people, like if that's not a wake up call in some capacity, then I don't know what is. And I think it's entirely possible that if they're so hell bent on you know the microtransactions being the future and then you know the Star Wars license somehow combining this you know save them i think it's entirely possible they may just you know nitpick themselves out of a, an industry well, well you know in general i think triple not triple a development but big publishers are in are kind of in trouble yes they they they're in trouble because of the accessibility of you know, high quality tools for any developers. Yes. And the fact that any developers don't need to make a shit ton of money to survive. Like they don't need to sell 5 million copies of their game just to justify continuing making that game. No. Talking to you, Squaresoft. <laughs> like seriously, come yeah. on now. But they, you know, they like, they don't need that. They don't feel the need that, you know, to do that. So um, that's why I think, well, you know, that's, that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, you know, I, publishers in general are kind of in trouble. But uh, EA, like they, they've hit that point before. They were like, where they said, "Oh shit," and they had to, they had to change their focus, and they did it successfully. But then they went back to their old ways. Because you know, that that may actually that may actually hurt them because they're like, "Oh no, we we bottomed out before, and we've come back." So they may just keep riding that down, thinking, "Yeah, we'll hit bottom and we'll come back." And then they might hit bottom, and they may not be able to come back. Hey, well, you know, I mean. Uh, it, not too much sweat off my back, <laughs> you know. I'll, you know. I'll, I'll be upset because apparently, if they go, they're taking Star Wars with them. That is true, unless they get sold off and somebody else buys it, you know. Mm. But hey, that that's just kind of the way it is. The only publisher I would actually, if if they start to go downhill, when they start to go downhill, if they start to go downhill, is 2K. That would make my heart hurt. Like that really would because you know you publishers are good for some things like there would be no Bioshock Infinite as it stands without <laughs> 2K. You are, you are so re- okay. What would be sadder, a world without Bioshock Infinite or Massive or Mass uh, or Max Payne Three rather? What would be sadder? Oh, oof. I don't know. If the games didn't exist, I wouldn't know the joy that both of those games gave me. But I feel like on some level, your spirit would know, like, I'm missing some fundamental experience. <laughs> you know, without Max Payne 3, I would say that games still aren't art. <laughs> 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 you know? Max Payne, like, I felt for Max, man. Like, I didn't even feel for Booker. Like, I, like you know what? Bioshock for me, I, I, didn't, I had no emotion in that game. It was just an awesome game, and I felt great playing. It had a great story. It was... Five out of five, you know. Except I did, I gave it a four point eight out of five when I reviewed it. But story with a six out of five. Yeah, like it was a great story. But with Max Payne, I actually felt that you know that pressure in your chest, you know, when shit was happening to Max. You know, that that was a totally different. That was a totally different scenario. You you don't want to. You let's not get started on that. <laughs> let's not because we got one more. We got at least one more thing to talk about. Technically speaking, two things, but I only have a few words for our last topic. Uh, but the- <laughs> okay, let's 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 blow through the next one then because I want to get to those few words. <laughs> okay, so 
you know, I, I'm a fan of Patrice D. Solette's. Um, he was the original creative director for Assassin's Creed. He was a creative director for the original Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed 2, and uh, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. Then he left for THQ, and then THQ, you know, got bought, you know, got broken to pieces and bought, and therefore he was back at Ubisoft. Well, he was fired from Ubisoft. And <laughs> the thing that, that's crazy about it is, you know, when it happened, Ubisoft came out with a, a, a statement saying that, you know, Patrice and Ubisoft split ways, you know, they, they went separate ways because they couldn't come to an agreement. And Patrice came back saying, no, that's not what happened. Patrice says that he was removed from the studio without merit. He was fired without merit, you know, saying that security came and got him and walked him off the premises. You know, those statements, because it didn't say what they couldn't come to agreement on specifically. Um, or, or if it did, I don't, I don't think it was anything fundamentally relating to the, his employment situation, but I feel like those statements are not mutually exclusive. Like I could see like they were going back and forth on like what 1666 was supposed to be. And they're like, Hey, microtransactions. And he's like, no, my own thing. And if that disagreement is enough, then they can be like, yeah, you're fired. And then technically neither side is wrong. No, but see the way Ubisoft worded it, like, this is exactly what he said. Unfortunately, since the acquisition, the good faith discussions between Patrice and Ubisoft aimed at aligning Patrice and the studio's visions have been inconclusive. Exactly. As a result, Patrice has left the studios. That make it, well, no. Listen, no, 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 no. Don't do that Nick thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I think, I don't, I'm not doing the Nick thing. They're doing the Nick thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you know, so they, like, you know, they said that that makes it sound like they couldn't come to an agreement and Patrice, and then they split ways. Like, you know, he left the studio, saying, okay, fine, well, you know, you don't want to do it this way, I'm leaving, here's why I, I, re- I resign, you know, goodbye. But no, that's not what happened. He's saying that he, the two guards came to him in the building, and he was walked out of the building without even being able to say goodbye to the team or collect his personal belongings. That's, because that's how you fire somebody in corporate America. But they, that's the thing that's different than what they said, where he said, well, you know, the, the, you know, he left the studio because well, he well, he left the studio. They don't say he left the studio at the behest of our armed guards. <laughs> it's the word PR release. They're not. They're going to leave that information out. I think that fundamental. I mean, there's a reason he left the first time. And, yeah. and so, so fundamentally, I think you know this is this was kind of the inevitable the inevitable conclusion, which was kind of the sad state of the fact that Ubisoft got THQ Montreal. It's you know it was it was that yeah you know Dieselitz was back in the fold, but it wasn't going to work out, and it just took what was it, like th- four months, Not you know, four even, months for it all to play so. out properly. I, I I can't imagine I can't imagine that when they announced when he was you know he heard who bought the studio, he was all you know running around you know you know opening bottles of champagne with his friends. I mean you know I I, th- I think this was you know I'm sure and and you know especially too to go to go into a situation where you're dealing you know possibly with people you dealt with before possibly not but to go into a situation knowing that you left under antagonistic circumstances before i you know you'd have to you'd have to be a very very amiable person to sort of you know not let that affect you again and i, I it's, it's it's really it's 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 just sad because it's not surprising and i guess it's disappointing that all that time he spent at thq working on 1666 i mean that project is 
I think it's unofficially been suspended. I don't think there's been an official announce- announcement from Ubisoft, but I think off-the-record sources have said that that project is suspended and it's presumably never going to see the light of day. Right. So, I mean, it's it's sad that he spent all his time kind of working on, you know, his follow-up, you know, I don't know. I shouldn't say follow-up to Assassin's Creed, but fundamentally it's his follow-up to Assassin's Creed. So... You know, you know, all that work is wasted and, you know, we'll have to see where he winds up. You know, maybe he can work on the Star Wars license for EA, but it's, you know, it's just this, it's, it's, I guess it's, it's, it's like, a, it, it's one of those things. It's like, we saw this coming and it's, it's, it's not surprising that this happened, but it's still sad. Yeah. I just, I, I really don't like the way that they try to make it seem like, oh, well, you know, we're just going to come through agreements. Uh, we just, we decide. That uh, you know, we 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 agree to disagree and get out of it. You know, we you know, we got out of each other's way. Ha ha! Like, no, that's not what happened. No, but it's kind of like it's kind of like when you talk to a couple that broke up, and one of them always says like, "Well, you know, we just weren't getting along, and we agreed to part ways." And the other the other person's always like, "No, he, he dumped me." And <laughs> you know, it's in this case, yeah, they're like, yeah, you know, they they you know they couldn't agree to part ways, and yeah, he they dumped them, so. <laughs> No, like you know what the thing is, like they probably <laughs> the thing is, like they, he was already working on games with THQ Montreal, and I think it was probably a problem with the creative differences again. Yep. Well, not saying that was the first that was the first problem, but he was a creative director. He left the company. I'm mean, like, that's like I don't know, maybe for me, like you know, wouldn't that be kind of like leaving your baby? You know, yeah. Assassin's Creed hasn't been the same without him. It has not. It's so, like you know, that's. I'm pretty sure it was, it was a tough decision for him. Like it, there was like a clear, like this is going somewhere. This game is going somewhere, and the way Assassin's Creed Three ends, that's not the way it was supposed to end. I can, I can assure you that. <laughs> I can assure I, you that. You know, I wonder if even the way Assassin's Creed Three began, as you know, I wonder if I mean if if he even had the vision for like, oh yeah, let's you know come up with an assassin in revolutionary times, or you know who knows the direction that he he wanted to take the franchise. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, actually, he wasn't the only one that was fired. There was actually another THQ um, veteran that went to sorry not THQ uh, Ubisoft veteran that uh, that was went to THQ and then got bought back by Ubisoft and he got fired too. Jean Francis Bovin? I I I know I just butchered that. I'm very sorry. <laughs> but uh yeah, like uh Bovin Boyvin, I think it might pronounced. Uh yeah, he he also got fired yesterday. So maybe it was just like, oh you left uh you left us once. We'll make yeah, but, the decision for you this time. Yeah. But you know I you gotta think though like to, to work for a company and then leave that company and then go to another company that gets bought by the original company. It's just got to suck. There's just no good that comes from that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like my, my, my single hope that Assassin's Creed would get better has been dashed. Now that Patrice is gone. <laughs> Well, I, 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 I kind of don't know why you had hope. I honestly wouldn't have expected them to put him back on there. I, I just, I, I, I can't even say, I shouldn't say I hope, but I just think it'd be hilarious if one of the reasons Ubisoft was so determined to get THQ Montreal was like, we got to get Patrice back. We can fix this. <laughs> no. 
Yeah. You could not fix this. No. So, yeah, that's... I, mean, that's what, I guess this was going... That's how Ubisoft Montreal rolls. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, that's... I don't know. I, I guess I'm not necessarily angry about that. It's just... Why? I wish I had more information. I guess, you know, I don't know the whole story. I just wish I had more information. It's just like, why? Because he... I think it affects me the most because he is such a good creative director, I think. Like, with the, the direction of Assassin's Creed. Especially Assassin's... The, what they did with going from Assassin's Creed to Assassin's Creed 2 and then Brotherhood? Like, come on. Like, that was so good. And there was a clear difference between Brotherhood and Revelations. And then Revelations and, uh, you know, Assassin's Creed 3. Like, what, they're on the third creative director. Who knows? Might be the fourth by the time, uh, you know, Assassin's Creed 4 rolls around. You know? That's true. Yeah. So, who knows? And now for my comments on Warren Spector. Huh. <laughs> uh, first of all, for those who don't know, look, a couple things happened. First of all, uh, Bethesda announced Wolfenstein The New Order. And here's what Warren Fest, oh no, uh, Warren Spector had to say. Did the world really need another Wolfenstein game? Did we need a generically dark, monochromatic, FPS, kill the Nazi, giant robot game? Uh, no, the world did not. I'm so tired of stuff like this. And then he says, what that there? Oh, and could we all agree that we'll never use the generically gravelly whisper trailer voice guy again, ever again? And one more thing, please stop using Jimi Hendrix to promote your adolescent male power fantasies. Thank you. I'm done. <laughs> you know, I, you, you've got to imagine that, though, with him just dropping the mic at the end of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to, to Warren's back there. I really think this is the time where you can shut the fuck up until you start making better games. Like, really? Like, you, like, I mean, that's, I mean, I, if you don't want it, fine. You don't want it. Okay. But you're sitting here acting like a Wolfenstein game is coming out yearly or every other year. When was the last Nazi game that actually came out? You know? Like, yeah, great. You did Deus Ex. Really grateful for that. But what have you done for me lately? Okay. Epic Mickey was like, oh, I'm not gonna call it an epic failure. I, that's what I thought. That's what popped into my head. But I, I'm like, you know, what? that's not true. I think it did okay. But the game itself wasn't that spectacular. Okay. Bethesda at least has a history of making good games on a, on a regular basis. They had made, they had fucking Skyrim. And even though I don't even really like Skyrim, I know that it's a good game because a shit ton of people like it a lot. I know a girl who just plays Skyrim to fucking cook. Inside that world, okay, but still, like, re- like really, like, this sounds so like, so like stuck up and like pretentious. Like, oh, we did. I'm so tired of stuff like this. That's great. Then don't buy it. Don't spend your money. Why don't you go work on another game? You know, work on another game that will meet your artistic, whatever the fuck you want to call it. You know, that'll that'll meet your bar. Like, how is this affecting you that you're getting so upset on Twitter? about this. And so what if they want to use Jimi Hendrix? I like Jimi Hendrix. And the gravelly whisper voice. Like that too. <laughs> okay. Like, like, I, don't get, like, I don't get what prompted this from him. Like, you know, with all the games coming out, did he not hear that they announced another Call of Duty? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that, that, that comes out like clockwork every year. 
another Assassin's Creed? Do we need another one of those games? No. But you know, we also didn't need Epic Mickey. <laughs> you That's know? true. That is very true. Epic Mickey changed nothing. Epic Mickey 2 changed nothing. You got Deus Ex. That's all you got. Okay? And that's what I had to say to Warren Spector. My understanding of where that came from is I think he has been trying to pitch some other games that I guess are not being warmly received. And so for him to sort of look and and see Wolfenstein as sort of just another, you know, you know, run of the mill generic, you know, shooter. In this case, you're shooting Nazis, um, but it's still a shooter, uh, as opposed to whatever whatever genius idea that he has, you know, that he's trying to get made. I can see how that might lead to his frustration. But he doesn't um, know anything about the game yet. No, but I, I I don't I don't think. I don't well see I think that's the problem is to to look at him to look at him railing against Wolfenstein specifically which yes that's what he's railing against but fundamentally Wolfenstein is almost it's almost like a, a straw man like really he's just railing against the industry in general and I mean for you to say like why are you you know kind of like point out like you really should be railing at Call of Duty instead of Wolfenstein I think you could very easily change his screed um, to just say Call of Duty instead of Wolfenstein and maybe some of the details like the Jimi Hendrix or the uh, but even then, the the Jimi Hendrix, you replace that with what, like ACDC? Well, <laughs> I, I mean, would say. I mean, fundament, fundamentally, I mean, there's there's an issue that can be talked about how you know, like, sort of like modern pop rock has sort of stopped in the early '90s, and um, I, I don't think that would necessarily be incorrect. Um, but that's separate from that. I think I kind of agree with him on his on the Jimi Hendrix point, but. No, it's it's. I think I think his issue is. I think it, it's it's. This was very terse, and this was very I think harshly worded, and maybe di- directed a little too specifically at Wolfenstein. But it, I think it's just your general. If you kind of you know pull the edge off it a little bit, it's your general screed that in AAA development there's not enough variety for games. Everything is a shooter. And, you know, he's just kind of looking for more of that. I mean, say what you will about Epic Mickey and Epic Mickey 2 not living up to expectations. Um, At least they were different. And so, I mean, you can at least, you know, at least he gets credit for, you know, not putting out a shooter. (laughs) You know, even then, I mean, you know, even then, you you know, to say that Deus Ex was a shooter is true, but it it, it played with the genre a little bit. It did push it in in boundaries. Um, that it wasn't necessarily, in te- you know, expecting to be pushed in. So, I mean, he gets some credit for that. But I think, yeah, it's. I'm not. I mean, is he is he a dick in his is he a dick in his statement? Yes. Is he necessarily wrong? I don't think so. My thing is, I mean, like if uh, for a game, like he he's not even giving it the benefit of the doubt. He's not. Like he knows nothing about this game. He knows nothing about the gameplay. At all. He doesn't know how they're going to utilize, you know, if they're going to stick with the same formula, if they're going to do something different. He doesn't know if it's going to be the run of the mill shooter. He's just assuming it is, and he's placing all the, you know, know, he's, I'm not saying necessarily to say placing blame, but he's just, he's projecting onto this game that he knows nothing about. It would be different if it was a game that was coming out on a yearly basis that doesn't change, like Call of Duty. That would, that would, I'd be like, okay, maybe he's a bit more justified, but you don't know anything about it. And I'm not, don't get me wrong, I'm not even a Wolfenstein fan. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> okay I'm not even excited for this game I will give it the benefit of the doubt and at least look into it 
And, you know, as long as it doesn't look too bad, I'll probably I'll at least play it to see, is it a regular shooter? You know, what did they, have they tried to change the genre any? Who knows? Like, you don't have to make completely different games all the time. Because, you know what, the first person genre is a popular genre because it is fun to play. And there's nothing wrong with that. You don't want it to get stale, so you need to keep making first person shooters and then adding new elements to it to make it better. You know? Add new story elements. Uh, you know, different guns, different ways of playing, like, you know, different level design, things like that. You know, but he doesn't He doesn't even give them the He doesn't know. He just, he just automatically assumes, oh, it's going to be another shooter for adolescent males. How do you know that? You don't. He's making assumptions. And he's just upset because... His ideas aren't picking, getting picked up, you know. Aren't aren't his assumptions on sort of how shooters tend to go in the modern AAA industry sort of similar to like your assumptions that EA is going to screw up the Star Wars franchise? Not necessarily. I don't think so. But you, because, you try. Uh, you, maybe I just don't see it. Make the correlation, Nick. Well, no, because I think you're you're looking at sort of past performance. Like EA always screws everything up. They always get involved and do too much. And he's kind of looking at this like you know this is how shooters are. They're always the same way. And that's a, that's a company with a track record, though. EA is different than a genre of video game. Like if you want to look at something, look at Bethesda. That's true. That's true. You have to you have to look at like Bethesda and uh, or you know maybe even their parent company Zenimax. And I'm pretty sure, yeah, Bethesda's owned by Zenimax. Um, sounds right. Yeah, and uh, look at that, but they produce a whole slew of shooters, you know? Like, even, like, you know, watch, say, id. You can look at id, and, you know, there, there's Zenimax as well. And look at Rage, and, I mean, it was a, it was a first-person shooter, but it wasn't, like, your run-of-the-mill first-person shooter. The problem I had with Rage was mainly its, uh, its uh, bugginess. But also, um, I mean, like you know, I'm trying to think, like what hell, what first person shooters have Beth- has Bethesda put out recently? I can't even like over the last few years, I can't really think of anything. So how do you not? How do you know that they're not going to approach this differently? Because they have no experience in recent history. But that may be <laughs> the fresh start that we need. That could be. That could be. You never know. You have to give it the benefit of the doubt. Well, I think I don't know. Like like I like I said earlier, I think he he may not be wrong, but I think the problem is that he he tar- he targeted Wolfenstein too much, and I think you're entirely right that he's not, you know that that for as much as we know or don't know about this game, I think for for a lot of his targeting, I think a lot of it too is based on I didn't see was there a trailer that had the Jimi Hendrix music and the gravelly voice? Because uh, sure. I feel like I feel like those points were a little too specific. Is it the trailer at the bottom of this article? I, actually... uh, I, didn't, I didn't actually watch that trailer if it was there. <laughs> so maybe it does. I don't know. Maybe it does, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm a little... No, but I think... Uh, well, I don't know. As I, as I said, I think I, I think there, you know, there is a problem with music selection as far as we could be picking other stuff to sort of depict. I think that's one of the things that I like about Spec Ops The Line is that when you get into some of these violent scenes, like it conveniently has rock music playing that 
kind of is, is fundamentally it's it, you know it's a little it's a little it seems a little too convenient like it's almost wish fulfillment that like oh yeah like you know when i get into a firefight in the desert there's gonna be you know there's gonna be rock music playing as my <laughs> overture and it's not that's not how it's supposed to be and i think it's funny that they're like oh hey it just randomly happens to be a stereo playing like acdc while you're blowing people up but i think that also ties into the point of spec ops um not exactly being pro-violence but you know, but that's a, that's a bit of a tangent there. Um, and even then, we're taking a, we're taking his tangent and going in a tangent. But I don't know. Fun, fundamentally, I, I I agree. I think his comments were harsh. I think he he shouldn't have targeted the game as much as he did, for what we know. But I I, I think until I think as lo- as long as shooters are are dominant in the industry, and I, I think you know you can kind of apply what he said to Call of Duty. Or, you know, as, as long as we have those kind of games coming out, as long as Call of Duty is the gold standard for video games. Not even like a specific genre, but like video games in general. It's you know that that's that's the one that everybody wants to be, and I think as long as that's the case, that I, I think he kind of does have a point that that there are other games that might be perfectly valid, might make tons of money, but they won't get greenlit because they're not a shooter in the Call of Duty vein. Well, yeah, well that's another thing. When you go with big publishers, they're gonna go with the safe bet, especially now. If yeah. you really want to do something different, you probably you need to get independently funded, uh, or you need to you know maybe kickstart or you know go indie. Yeah. That's what did, all the other creative people are doing. Wasn't wasn't there? Didn't he say he was going with the independent route? Wasn't there that picture of him with with the? Wasn't there that picture of him looking all happy, talking about going the independent route? I don't I don't remember that. Uh, I remember there's that picture of him looking all happy. <laughs> And he was like, he was like, he, he, he was comparing like, you know, having like a steady job and, and dealing with like bureaucratic bullshit to not knowing if you'd be able to afford your next meal as an oh. independent developer. Yeah, I don't know. But no, he's, I, I think, I think his problem right now is that I almost wonder if maybe he's just not working on anything and he needs to be because he's got, he seems to be having a little too much time to be commenting on stuff. And that's not always reflecting, uh, you know, in his best light on him. That is true. That is absolutely true. I don't know. I just, I it really, really rubbed me the wrong way, especially <laughs> since, you know, <laughs> he doesn't appear to be making any good games, and you know, recently within the last few years, Epic Mickey bothered me to no end with like stupid stuff, like camera angle issues, like shit, like that. Like, you really gonna release this game with something as stupid as a camera angle issue? As much as you guys have, you know, play tested it. Like, come on, come on, son. Like, come on. But yeah, so I, I, I am not happy with Mr. Spectre right now. He's not happy with Wolfenstein. I'm not happy with him. We're all even. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I think let's. God, this was an angry podcast. This was an angry podcast. Like, we were from like you know there was like some sadness, and then like anger, anger, anger. Well, you, you know what it is? We're, we're we're just dealing with the grief over Mikey's passing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, let's look forward to him being back next week. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, because you know he's not like a steady. He's not a steady person on the podcast. He comes and goes. He's a he's a cool kid. He comes and goes as he pleases. <laughs> he's a ghost. You never know when he's gonna be around. Yeah, you know. But uh, let's see what's coming out soon. Um, next week. Well, first, Monaco comes out on Xbox Live this Friday. Wait, that's uh, not actually out yet. It's out on PC. Oh, okay. On Xbox comes out next Friday. It's it's pretty awesome. And if my review's not out by then, 
Just get it. Trust me. Um, also, let's see. Dust 514 comes out on the 14th. That's free to play, though. So, I mean, you yes. can always hop in and check it out. I've, I have, well, I mean, we, 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 we talked, we didn't talk about Dust 514 with the one, uh, one guy from uh, CCP at PAX. But, uh, I've seen, no, I've, I've heard some, you know, some of what they're, they're planning on doing with that and that. I'm I'm not a shooter fan, but I'm 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 excited for how I'm excited to see how Dust Five Fourteen changes Eve because it I, sounds exciting. I think they had a bad showing at PAX mainly because you only got to see the shooting portion, and that was kind of yes. lame. It was pretty lame. Yes. Plus, they they didn't provide any instruction or any type, anything like that. So I don't know. But I'm not that excited for it. Metro yeah. Last Light is coming out. We will have a review out on Monday for it. Ooh, nice. So. Now, I think I might have just found a reason to get a Wii U because Super Metroid is coming out on the 15th. For Already? The Super Metroid. Oh, is that a, a remake? Not a remake. It's just the fucking, like, the, the Super Nintendo port. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. It's okay. Super Metroid, Wii U. Hmm. That's coming out on the 15th. I wonder if I'll have a Wii U here. <laughs> hmm. Come next week. We'll see. <laughs> um, Anomaly 2. Which I actually have a preview, multiplayer preview for that, and I just have not had a chance to play it, so maybe I should get on that, huh? Let's say so. Yeah, so that's coming out. That's that's next week. So that's that. Yeah, that should keep. And Metro Last Light, that is probably going to be the game of the week. To be honest with you, that looks pretty cool. Um, we like I said, we will have a review for it, so we'll see. But uh, yeah. Look out for that stuff so, you know, we're, I don't know, I guess we're good. This time of the year is kind of tricky. I'm not going to say tricky. It's like you never know, like, if you're going to have a good May and June or are they really just going to wait for September. Yeah. You know, I know two games that were supposed to come out this month. Contrast was supposed to come out, but I haven't heard anything about it. I mean, it was supposed to come out already? Month. It was supposed to come out this month, yeah. No. That wow. and The Swapper were supposed to oh, come out crap. this month. And I haven't heard anything about it either, so I'm not sure. Um. So yeah, look out for that stuff. But as always, thank you for listening. Uh, you can catch us on SoundCloud, which is SoundCloud.com slash mash those buttons. You can also get the uh, I, the the podcast on iTunes. Uh, and uh, you can listen to us on Stitcher Smart Radio for your Android and iOS devices if you want to stream it. Uh, we are on Twitter.com slash MTB site, uh, Facebook.com slash mash those buttons, and YouTube.com slash mash those buttons. And I actually want to give us like a special shout out to, um all the new Facebook followers got a lot of new Facebook followers over the last few weeks. And just say hello. Thank you for following us uh, or liking our page. And hopefully we can continue to entertain you guys and get you some free stuff along the way. So just stay tuned. Uh, But like I said, thank you everybody for listening and uh, we will catch you next week. Have a great evening. Have a great weekend, everybody. And uh, we miss you, Mikey. (laughs) Yeah. Mikey's going to come back. Next week's gonna be jacked. <laughs> People gonna be thinking I'm talking. It's actually gonna be Mikey. You thought you saw anger this week. You'll see anger next week. <laughs> yeah. All right. See you guys. Yeah.